0: Welcome to Episode 68 of Behind the Mission, a show that sparks conversation with Sycharmer trusted partners and educational experts. My name is Dwayne France, and each week I'll be having conversations with podcast guests that will equip you with tools and resources to effectively engage with and support military service members, veterans, and their families. You can find the show on your podcast player of choice or by going to psycharmororg forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us on Behind the Mission. Our work and mission are supported by generous partnerships and sponsors who also believe that education changes lives. This show is brought to you by PsychArmor, the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners as well as custom training options for organizations. On today's episode, I'm having a conversation with Paul Fakuma. Chairman and CEO of Taji 100, a nonprofit that hosts a virtual fitness challenge in February of every year. Paul is a fourth-generation Army veteran who served in Iraq and took part in the first Taji 100 in Camp Taji, Iraq in 2010. Paul is a Sunnyvale, California native and currently serves the city of Sunnyvale as a public safety officer in addition to his support for the Taji 100. A quick note before we get started. The audio in this episode is probably not what you're typically used to hearing on the Behind the Mission podcast. Even your friendly neighborhood podcast host has to get away sometimes. And when I recorded this episode with Paul, I was in Delaware for the Coastal Delaware Running Festival. So I was on a remote setup and apparently not a very good network. So bear with the audio quality because the content of the conversation is really great. You can find out more about Paul by checking out his bio on our show notes. So let's get into my conversation with him and come back afterwards to talk about some of the key points. Paul, you're the executive director of Taji 100, which we'll talk about in a minute. But before that, it'd be great for listeners to hear more about your military service and how you became involved with the Taji 100 Challenge.
1: Oh, let's see. My military chapter of my life started back in 2002. That's when I I enlisted. It was much like a lot of vets of that era. It was born from 9-11. And interestingly enough, after I enlisted, I started to learn more about my own family military history. It's interesting that a lot of my family didn't talk about their lineage or military involvement. I always knew it was there, but I never really dug deep. And it wasn't until after I enlisted, I found out that I was fourth generation Army. Went all the way back to my great-grandfather, World War One as an Army artillery guy. And then my grandfather, both grandfathers, excuse me, one was an Army Air Force pilot. And then on my Japanese side, he actually got interned in the Japanese concentration camps, internment camps, and then volunteered to translate Japanese code while interned. Once he was released, he enlisted and served in the Army until he became a staff sergeant. My father volunteered for service in Vietnam. He was in college, so he had a way out. He didn't have to go, but he felt, no, if everybody else is going, I'm going to go too. So he served in the Army as a communications specialist and served overseas there. And then here I was enlisting and became a medic. So I did my stint four years as a medic. I stationed out in wonderful Fort Stewart, Georgia. If anybody has some time in Georgia, they can relate when I say wonderful. Then I got out and went back to the civilian side. And I thought, here I go. I've closed that chapter. Let's start my civilian life as best as I could. And then got a wonderful FedEx package from the DOD in 2009 saying, hey, remember when you, you signed that little clause about inactive reserve? And we always told you, nah, don't worry about it. It never happens. Well, it happened. And I got pulled back in and sent overseas, activated for 14 months, and then landing myself in Taji, Iraq, a wonderful little hole, I guess you could call it, just northwest of Baghdad, serving with a medical company in support of First Cav and their mission up there. And that's where Todd Hunter got it start. I remember when I I first landed in country, our sergeant major had a briefing. He said, when you leave in country, you're either going to weigh 500 pounds or bench press 500 pounds. And I had no idea how true that really was. And I always thought that one of the biggest threats to our service members overseas would be obviously DM me. But that being so few and far between, the greatest threat was it was the downtime. Because what do we do when we're bored? We find things, entertain ourselves, or we get into negative or bad habits. become self-destructive because we need that stimulus or we just start eating. So fortunately, a lot of us found ourselves into fitness. And a captain I was working with thought, what's the military's answer to boredom or low morale? Ah, let's set him on a run. But really, what does one 5K, one Sunday morning really do? It doesn't really solve a long-term problem. Just how is that morning? So- Todd was 100 was born. It was a challenge to complete 100 miles over the course of 28 days, February. And many of us were voluntold to do it, grudgingly. But it quickly grew on us because we're all obviously competitive. We wanted to be our own best and beat each other. It gave us something to look forward to every day. And it quickly found its way to become my escape. I found myself zoning out because we had this small, hardened structures for a gym over there that we can actually finally take our body armor off and and feel a bit of breath of relief get on these really ancient archaic treadmills jump on it and for an hour i would escape i wouldn't be there anymore i wouldn't be in a location halfway around the world away from my loved ones away from my family i wouldn't think about work or all the stressors or all of my soldiers issues that i had to deal with as a sergeant it was my release and that was such a huge mental break for many of us we became like i could dare say addicted to it once the event was over we found ourselves. Wow, look what we've accomplished! I never thought in the wildest dreams I can crush a hundred miles in, in a meager four weeks. So that built a huge amount of camaraderie. And then I came home, and I desperately missed it. I, I desperately missed that that bond that was that's born in the military,
0: and I yearned for it. And the event of Taj 100 was created. You know, and hearing that, obviously, understanding the the story, yes, I, I was one Iraq, two Afghanistans, multiple other, like, you know, the the boredom is real, you have to figure out different ways of doing it. But your specific story, you were recalled to active duty. When I was in Afghanistan, and one of my crew is a platoon sergeant, he was stop lost. Like, and you didn't have to be there. Like, you did have to be there, obviously. But it was one of these things where was it a little different for you having been in the individual ready reserve and recalled back to active duty? Like you thought your time in the military was over?
1: Oh, it was, it turned my life upside down, right? I, at, that, at that point, before I got that package, I had a game plan. I had a plan for my life. I was setting things in motion. I was three years into a law enforcement career. I was starting to test for units. Everything was full in place. I was actually looking to buy my first home. And then here comes this nice, Packet. Watch when my dad calls me up and says, "Hey, Paul, I got this weird packet for you." And he said it's from the DOD, and I immediately knew it was. My first response was, "Dad, did you sign for that?" "Yes, yes, I did." But they, they got me right. And interesting enough, that one of my counterparts and I was working with says, "You know what? I know people have gotten out of that," and they, he explained their story, and I was taken back. I thought that never crossed my mind. Never crossed my mind of getting out of this. That almost appalled that someone would even suggest that. But it was definitely a shock. I had to put it on hold. I had to move out of the apartment I was in, put everything in storage and find everything to get taken care of. People take care of bills back home and so on. But looking back on it, it was one of the greatest, obviously, very, there was a lot of negatives that came with it. I had Such a ripple of positives. I was able to turn that event to so many positives moving forward. I would have been able to become the man I am today and have the life I have now and the opportunities I have now had I not honor that commitment and followed through with it. So, yeah, to answer your question more specifically, it did create a lot of turmoil for me. It's like anything in life, any type of challenge or adversity we're, we're dealt, it's how we react to it and how we're able to use it, turn it to our advantage that counts. And I feel I was able to capitalize on that over the course of the last, it took me a long time, Get me wrong, my friend. It took me years to truly reap the benefits, I would guess I should say, or find ways to better
0: myself. No, I absolutely recognize. And I hear a lot of that from, again, some of my troops, again, were stop loss and the same thing, like some of them. Were, and we were active duty at the time, but it doesn't, it, it takes some to try to get out of a deployment, so to speak. And there were people that said that to, to him and some of the others. And he was the same thing. He was like, absolutely not. Like, why would I? Like, I'm, I'm going to be stuck in the army anyway. But for this stop loss time, I might as well go deploy again. And, and at that point, Jeremy, the guy who ran my crew, he had already been to Iraq twice. So he was on his third deployment in that time. So it's, but also to me, it sounds a lot like what you said about your father's service, too. It's like others are going. Why would I not go? And so then also you said it really captured that camaraderie piece and especially that deployment, the shared trauma of it. And you talked a little bit about the Taji 100, 100 miles, and and it's changed over time. I'd like to hear a little bit of that. But originally it was run, rucker, hike, and, and you've done some other things. So what can you tell us about the Taji 100?
1: I came home, I really wanted it to happen again, and it was just a handful of us. I think it was no more than 12 people participating in the what would be the 2011 event because the first one was 2010. I was overseas, and we just kept track of each other's miles with paper and pen, nothing more than that. And then I was dating my now wife at the time, and I said, hey, honey, what do you think about me putting this out to the public, see if anybody else wants to join, kind of thing. And I was a little hesitant about it, and like an amazing partner that she is, she pushed me and said, yeah, do it. Create a Godad.com website and a Facebook page, see what happens. And before I knew it, I had several hundred people from all across the country sign up. They would email me every day their runs or their walks or hikes. And I would sit there for four hours a day creating a spreadsheet of everybody's entries. I would respond to each person. Hey, Norma, great job. That was strong work. Hey, Doug, man, you crushed today. Oh, don't worry, Bertrand. I know it's only a mile, but every mile counts. And I would do this every day. And I'd update this little spreadsheet and this website. And it just grew and grew. And as a result of that, I met friends who I consider family. It really tied people together. And one person who I met, she said because I knew I was emailing a person. I knew if I didn't do it today, Paul would know. He wouldn't see my email, and I, I couldn't do that. So Seriously, like, that was a massive motivating force for me. And then I started hearing success stories after that. I had one woman tell me she suffered from debilitating migraines. We're talking two, three days a week, she couldn't get that, taking medication, and this pharmaceutical stuff. And she said, this gave me motivation to get out of bed and do things. And the more active I became, the less I found out having migraines. And she said, now I continue to be active the way Todd 100 taught me, and I'm down to a migrant once a month, maybe. And to hear that something I started has such a positive impact on people's lives, and it's literally changing the way they see their day-to-day life, it's very humbling. I feel very proud of it. And I told people before, if this whole event goes bottom-up, and it goes bankrupt, and I can't continue anymore, I still consider it a massive success because I know help change people for the positive in, in ways that... Even I couldn't comprehend, and it grew. It grew and grew and grew, and eventually I got more and more people on the board. We became a non-profit, which I got to tell you was a headache due to to get put in place. It was a massive hurdle to overcome. But once we got that done, then we thought, how can we make this even more impactful in our community? And we started collecting donations for any military charity, and that's when we got in touch with Team Red, Red, and Blue. Phenomenal an organization and their mission rang true to me because one of the hardest parts of coming home was transitioning back to civilian life, was honestly thinking like a civilian and you know, just going to a grocery store and having an idea that, wow, I have 500 cereals to choose from now. It's a culture shock. How do these tankers know what they can do? How do I transition a tank life into a productive member of society? They give leadership training and mental health counseling and they do it in an athletic forum And I thought, wow, that's us bond together in camaraderie under a flag of activity and physical activities. What a great great fit. So we got in touch with them, and we've been raising money for them for the last few years. And the last two years, including this one, we've raised over $100,000 each year in donation checks for them. This year alone, we raised almost $108,000 for them. And that's staggering when you think about it. In in the one-month event, one month. We were able to collect over a hundred thousand dollars, donate to a military-oriented charity. That's mind-blowing. We had eighty-two hundred people across the country, all fifty states, and across the world participate. Over two hundred of them were deployed military members. We're talking people in theaters of war participating in this event. That's that's amazing. We cumulatively crossed over six hundred thirty-three thousand miles. That's like a, a road race from LA to New York two hundred thirty times, and What's very humbling about this is it shows it doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter where you're born, where you're raised. It doesn't matter your ethnicity, your skin color, your economic status, your even your political position, your gender. None of it matters. We have proven that we can unite under the red, white, and blue for a common cause of helping others. Everyone can join together. That unity is possible. And in a time right now when our country is seeing such diversity and turmoil, it gives me a ray of hope that, look, we can do this. We can unite. We can come peacefully together for a common goal of good and benefit others. It's very humbling. And I'm extremely excited to see what we can do in years to come. If we can do this right now, what can we do? And I want to throw this out, out there too, because there's a lot of, I'm sure you know, you've seen it, nonprofits who aren't really nonprofits, right? They're just Companies that fly the 501 banner, but they're really not, not nonprofits, me and everyone on the board gets paid absolutely zero. I don't collect a single penny for all the efforts that we do. We, we're absolutely a labor of love. Each and every one of us we're volunteering hundreds of hours to make this thing happen because we want all the effort to go towards supporting and helping veterans and veteran families in every way we can. People can join this for free. You don't even have to pay to participate. Because we want to encourage the overall mission of the event, which is to encourage health and an active lifestyle. So it's near and dear to my heart. It's definitely become a fan favorite for many people. We have people that participate for the last ten years and have vowed to keep coming back. So it's really grown beyond my imagination.
0: Yeah, it was. I'm thinking of when you started out, and it's you and your spreadsheet, and that it got pretty big pretty quick. And, and uh, some of those things can get away from you. This idea of it, it being a unifying event. But it's also a challenge. Like you said, even back in 2010 with Taji, like you chose the shortest month of the year to be able to do 100 miles. And in this, most recently, you gave some alternate events, so we could talk about that. But it's something I think that appeals to service members, veterans, those who care for them, because it's a big challenge, but it's not out of reach. You're not asking doing 500 miles in a month. It's something that's just one of these stretch challenges There's just enough for people to think that, man, I don't know if I can do this. And when they realize that they can, then it's really uplifting for them.
1: Absolutely, Uh, many people think 100 miles. There's just no way. 100 miles, physically, it's daunting. That's a long distance. But what's truly challenging is how do I incorporate that into my already packed daily schedule? How, How do I allocate time in my day? To do this, that's, that's where the real challenge comes into play. I've got kids and a, a job and a house and a spouse and, and hobbies and friends. and where, where do I find it? time, my friend? If anything I've learned from Taji, it's to truly appreciate the value of time. Time is the fairest, most unbiased, yet most ruthless and unforgiving thing in existence. It doesn't matter how much you have to do or how stressed or how rich or whatever. We all get 86,400 seconds in a day. And it's going to be spent at the same rate for all of us. It's just what we choose to do for each one of those seconds that is different, right? So we could spend 30 minutes watching soap opera, or we could spend 30 minutes taking a walk, or we could spend 30 minutes learning a new language or finishing a degree, playing with our kids. We can choose to be stagnant with those seconds, or we can choose to change the quality of our life and prepare for the better. So once we start realizing, wow, I actually do have the time in the day, I was just putting other things as a priority that shouldn't be there. I didn't really need to sit on that app for that long. I didn't need to do this activity so much because a lot of people when college were hundreds over, they find themselves sitting there going, wow, I'm done with work. And now I have essentially this free hour. What do I do? Hey, you've always had that time. This advantage has shown you've always had that time. So what do you choose to do with it now? Are you going to go back to your it's essentially, a detrimental habits, but we're going to use this opportunity to put it towards other things productive and healthy. So it, it really is a life changing thing, it changes habits and the way we look at our day.
0: And what I really and and it's motivating. It's not just intrinsically motivating. It's it's extrinsically motivating. Your badges. What do they say? Napoleon says that a man will do anything for a little bit of colored ribbon, right? It's like Pokemon's, right? You got to catch them all. My my wife's like, "What are you doing up at two in the morning?" I got to get the midnight one. I got to get the one with the owl. Just the the whole way that it's sort of thought through was really valuable. And And it's all about motivating people to do what they didn't think they could do before.
1: Absolutely, it's small goals. If you're always looking to say, I want to climb that mountain, but all you do is focus on the peak of the mountain, it'll seem too daunting, which is too much to take in at one time. But if you take each step as the goal and you keep looking for smaller goals, eventually you'll look back and realize, wow, I just accomplished a lot. So we thought these little achievement badges and little mini goals you can accomplish along the way, and they're a huge success. We keep trying to add more and more every year. And then this year, we thought we've got a lot of people who physically can't. Run or walk. They can't either injury or what have you. And that doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem right that they can't participate in this event and gain or learn from this as well. So we opened it up. Now you can swim. Now you can bike. And that was massively successful. It was a huge beta test here so to see if people liked it and it was overwhelmingly positive. So we're looking for more ways to expand. Maybe rowing next year.
0: I was gonna say, because I stopped rowing for the month of February just to be able to get the uh, the miles in. But the, if there would have been rowing, I probably would have done both the rowing and the running.
1: Oh, and that's another thing. Many people wanted to mix and match activities, so they wanted to do this and that. So unfortunately, while I have all these visions stuff, ultimately it falls on my programmer's shoulders on matrix voodoo magic he can do on a computer that I have no clue and understanding. But he's a wizard at it. He's an artist and he does a really good job with our website and building the back end structure. So I keep coming up with all these crazy ideas that he keeps looking at me like, How much are you going to make me do? Because he's volunteers.
0: When, once we hit your limit, we'll we'll stop coming up with ideas. No, I think, obviously, as a participant myself, it, it was great this past year. Really appreciate just not just the effort, but also the program itself. So if people wanted to find out more about Taji 100, like you said, this is a one month event, but it probably sucks up a good portion of your year. But the next event will be coming up in February of 2023. But you've got the The website's out there. People wanted to find out more about what you're doing. How can they do that?
1: Uh, They can just visit our our website, TAJI, that's T-A-J-I 100, so 100.com. We're on Facebook, too. We put a lot of information out via our Facebook page as well. Registration, we typically try to shoot for Veterans Day around that time. So mid November, we'll open it up. And if just to encourage and to try to get people to commit to that activity early, we usually do it at an early bird discount. What I say by that is, yes, you can register and participate for free, but you can also essentially buy into it. And when you buy into it, you get a shirt, you get a really nice race medal that happens to be our, our trademark. We really go over the top in our race medals. Uh, you get some better swag too. And part of that participation fee goes towards the donation tour for military Charity. That's how we raise the money for charity through that proceeds. And that's about it. Just kind of word of mouth. We really pay nothing for advertising. We'd actually like, try not to. I just like it to be organic because having you. Tell your wife, tell your spouse, your friends, hey, check this out. It's far more impactful and engaging than seeing some Facebook ad or some flyer. So I, I look to everybody who's listening and everybody participated, spread the word. Tell them about your experience. Tell them how it affected you and how it's meaningful to you. And I promise that'll be far more engaging and impactful and gripping
0: to others than simply seeing a colorful ad. No, I absolutely agree. And again, I think it was uh, word of mouth that I heard about it. And if a a word of mouth fitness focused campaign can raise over $100,000 for a military charity, I'd say you're doing pretty good. You don't need to have any more advertising other than just the event itself. So uh, I think you're doing great, Paul. Glad to have been able to highlight you on the podcast. And thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thank you very much. If I can leave with one final note, is to people listening, mental health for veterans. It's something that's very close to my heart and dear to me. It's only reared its ugly head in my life, admit like acknowledging it, say, in the last few years. And in that time, since becoming accepting of this and essentially embracing it and being open with discussing about it and talking with friends, have I truly understood how many people out there are invisible to everyone else that are suffering from it? And the more we talk about it, the more we normalize it, the less of the stigma, the more of the stigma we destroy, and more opportunities have people to come forward and talk to someone and get help. I'd say in the last few years of just being open and just randomly talking to friends and, and loved ones and neighbors, the more and more people open up to me and say, I didn't know who to go to, I didn't know who would judge me. And it's really opened my eyes to how prolific this is, especially amongst the veteran community. Because you often hear a lot of people say, you know, I, I I don't need help because I'm not as bad as so-and-so. He's the one who needs help. Every bit of damage is damage. And we can see a broken bone. We can see a cut. We can see a bruise. But you can't see that scarring, that damage, that bleeding on the soul and on the emotion. It's hidden. So please, if you have somebody out there, just talk about it. Even if you don't believe they are suffering, just make it openly known that you are essentially a safe person to talk to. You're judgment-free. You love them. You want to help people. It's important that we look out for each other every day, all the time.
0: Absolutely. That's the goal here. And we're just trying to educate more people about not just those things you're talking about, those concerns, but also the strength, the inherent strength that we have. And some of that inherent strength is about sharing the vulnerabilities. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Again, this show is brought to you by PsychArmor, the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners, as well as custom training options for organizations. You can find out more about what they're doing at psycharmor.org. So I appreciate you taking the time to listen to the conversation. As I mentioned before we started it, I know the audio wasn't the greatest, but the content was really, really good. The first point that I'd like to share is, I know that we have some listeners who don't have a military background. And some of the early stuff that Paul and I were talking about might have been a bit confusing if you haven't served in the military, especially in the most recent eras. And that was about being stop lost, and recalled to active duty. When someone joins the military, they may join for three years or four years or whatever, but every service member, when they enlist, incurs an eight-year obligation. The obligation can be done in a number of ways. You can do the entire eight years on active duty, as I did. You can do some of that time on active duty and some of that time in the reserve component of a branch in the military. My younger brother did that. He did six years active duty, two deployments, and then did some time in the reserves fulfilling his eight-year obligation. Or you can go into what's called the Individual Ready Reserve, or IRR, which is what Paul did. He did his four years and still owed four years. In the IRR, you're basically a civilian. You don't wear a uniform, you don't have to adhere to military standards, you're moving on with your life. Until, like Paul, you get a packet in the mail saying, we need you back and you still owe us some time. Like some of my platoon in Afghanistan around the same time, they were about to get out, but the army put what is called a stop loss in place. If someone's due to get out of the military, their time is involuntarily extended. I say involuntarily because way back when they joined, that was when the commitment was made. But think about that. Someone thinks my time in the military is done, and then all of a sudden they get reminded that, guess what? No, it's not. Think about that in the context of your life. If you had a previous employer that you no longer worked for that called you up and said, hey, you agreed that you'd come back to work for us for a year or so, or a previous relationship that ended, or you moved out of a community, but you were required to go back for a period of time, you think you've moved on, and now you have to put yourself back in that mindset. It's replaying a chapter of your life that you thought was past. And even so, as Paul said, he wouldn't have had it any other way. Those 14 months, most of which was spent on a deployment to a combat zone, was an important part of his life. I have huge respect for those who experienced involuntary recall to active duty or were stop-lost and still did their job, still fulfilled their obligation, even though it cost them a lot and could have potentially cost them their lives. So just something unique about that part of military service and much respect for Paul for going through that. The other point that I'd like to make is how simple the premise of the Taji 100 is, but also how there's a lot of value packed into that premise. There's elegance in its simplicity. To start off with, a brief diversion into SMART goals. If you've been to any corporate training program, leadership development program, or life improvement seminar in the past 30 years, you may be familiar with this term. There are a lot of twists and turns and spins on the acronym SMART, S-M-A-R-T, but this is how I think of it. For a goal to be effective, it must be specific, Measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-limited. So let's look at the premise of the Taji 100 from a SMART goal standpoint. Run, walk, or hike 100 miles during the month of February. It's very specific. Run, walk, or hike. Like we mentioned, they've opened it up. That includes using an elliptical. There are options for swimming and biking, but what you hear is what it is. Measurable, 100 miles. It doesn't say run, walk, or hike as far as you can or run, walk, and hike a lot. You can measure how far you go because there's a measurable goal, 100 miles. Achievable. 100 miles may sound like a lot, and it is. That's something like 3.4 miles a day. And the Taji 100 team doesn't recommend that you do that every day. But even though it's a stretch, it's still doable. Like I said in our conversation, it's not out of reach. It takes effort and it can be challenging, but it's still within the realm of possibility. It's not too easy, as in run, walk, or hike 10 miles in a month. And it's not outside the realm of possibility for anyone who isn't a dedicated athlete, like run, walk, or hike 500 miles a month. It's something that's achievable. Next, relevant. The goal has to be something that's relevant and important to the person setting the goal, hence the addition of the alternative events, because run, walk, or hike isn't relevant to everyone. And finally, time limited. There has to be an endpoint to the goal, meaning do X for X distance within X amount of time. So, as a SMART goal, you can see that all the boxes are checked as well as the effort that the Taji 100 team has gone through to build a community around the event, unique and fun way that they reward users individually with recognition of both small and large achievements, and the benevolent external pressure that a participant experiences to help them accomplish something that they didn't think they could do. So be on the lookout for when the Taji 100 registration opens up again. Follow them on Facebook, which we'll put a link in the show notes, and put in some hard work for a great cause with a cool organization. So I appreciate you being able to bring the story of the Taji 100. If you appreciated it as much as I did, we'd like to hear about it. If your podcast player allows you to leave reviews for shows or episodes, you can do that. You can drop us an email at info or you can reach out to us over social media. Link to all of that is in the show notes, of course, but reach out to us and let us know what you think about the show and what suggestions you may have about future guests. For this week's PsychArmer Resource of the Week, I'd like to share the PsychArmer course, Social Isolation and Loneliness. Along with the fitness aspect of the Taji 100, Paul and his team's mission is to increase social connectedness among service members, veterans, and those who support them. At PsychArmor, we know that social connections are vital to your health. In this course, you'll learn about new ways to achieve social connection, learn about resources, and develop a plan to engage and connect in a safe way. You can find the link to the course in our show notes. So thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. Make sure to take a look at the show notes, which you can find in your podcast player of choice, as well as at sycomer.org forward slash podcast. You will find the link to everything we talked about in today's show, as well as hundreds of online training videos delivered by nationally recognized subject matter experts who are committed to educating the civilian community about military culture. All of these courses are free to individual learners. Thank you for joining me on this episode and for continuing to join us on this journey. You wouldn't be listening if you didn't care and it's that curiosity and passion for supporting service members and their families that we want to encourage and increase come back each week for another conversation and make sure to engage with psych armor on social media to let us know what you think about the show i'd like to express special thanks to operation encore and navy seahawk pilot jerry maniscalco for our theme song don't kill the messenger this show was produced by headspace and timing and all rights to the show remain reserved by psych armor feel free to share the show in fact We would like for you to do that, but make sure you let folks know where you heard it. Join us next time for another great episode. And until then, stay aware, get educated and be well.